Hailing from the heartland of America, atop the high bluffs of Western Iowa, comes the voice of the church. God himself blew on history so that there would be a light. A timely message, convicting words, burning with passion for righteousness and justice again. Why don't you believe in something this morning? Why don't you believe in a church? Why don't you believe in the glory of dominion that God gave us the power to build a building on a hill that stands for something in the community, that we're not afraid to stand up for what we believe in and tell the lawmakers and the rulers in this nation and every other nation in the world, Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He's coming back and you better repent of your sins or you're gonna answer for them. Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, He that believeth not shall be damned. So what do you really believe? People that believe in Jesus Christ, that He was buried, that He was resurrected on the third day, that He's coming again, and that men will answer for every idle word and every wrong deed, that there is justice beyond the grave. That is the statement that is made when you see a church and a steeple and a cross in a community and in a nation. And God cares about this building and He cares about the churches that sprinkle the landscape of this nation. And He wants them to be filled with people that have some passion, that understand what it means to be a Christian, that aren't slobs drooling with all of their candy and their chocolate and their soda and their entertainment, wanting to hear a preacher to tell them that they're just fine the way that they are and they don't need to change and they don't need to worry about repentance. They don't need to get the sin out of their life. Those are not good preachers. And those are not legitimate churches and their buildings become an aggravation and a mocking point. And if you go to Europe today, you'll see cathedral after cathedral that were beautiful and they're empty. And if we don't get right in this nation, that's going to happen. Look around you at the sloth. Look at the empty pews. Look at the big gaps. They didn't want to hear the truth. Believe in something today. Welcome to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Check out our website at beyondthewallsradio.com. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the sermon. Extra outside Ecclesium, the church, nulla, there is no salus, salvation. Outside the church, there is no salvation. This has been a fundamental truth of the Christian faith since the beginning. The Apostle Paul taught it. We can see the doctrine of extra ecclesium nulla salus in every century of church history, beginning with the first and making its way here. It is a doctrine that has been carefully revered and protected by both Protestants and Catholics for almost 2,000 years, only until the last century has it been largely lost. And that is just a sign of the times. But it's not lost here. It will not be. And we've been learning about how we are saved by grace and how grace functions, that it flows sideways, that our only access literally to Jesus Christ on this planet is through one another. And that if we cut ourselves off from the body of Christ, then how can we have fellowship with Christ? If we cut ourselves off from our wife's body, how in the world could we have fellowship with our wife? To make an illustration. And I want to continue today. We've been pivoting because the first 10 sermons, nine sermons, we were talking about how grace is given to us, how we receive it, 
how it's piped from God's throne to each one of you as an individual, uh, what is necessary in order for grace to make it safely and arrive in your heart and in your body. The scriptures are very clear that if you don't have humility, you can't have grace. You won't accidentally get a dose of grace one day in your arrogance. It doesn't happen. There is one requirement for grace, period. You have to be humble. All right, so we've got all this wonderful grace coming to us. And we've really talked about the dimension of generosity. We've described generosity as something that we do with one another. You can be generous with your affection. You can be generous with your friendship. You can be generous with your finances. Of course, that's typically what we think of. But the word generous really goes beyond simply the exchange of of money. You can be generous with your time. You can be generous with your affection. You can be generous with your concern. You can be very generous with your prayers and how often or how much you pray for someone. So generosity is something that is expressed multidimensionally. It's not just handing someone a $5 bill or a $50 bill or 500. Generosity is something much richer and much more beautiful than simply the exchange of money. And we've talked about generosity, that it's something that happens sideways, man to man, person to person. But we've also talked about there's a certain connotation of arrogance and presumption if we begin to discuss giving to God and think of that as generosity. I think that we get into error if we come into the kingdom of God, into the church of God, and we think that we're being really generous to give the Lord's church finances or to give the Lord's church our prayers or to give the Lord's church our time or any of the other ways that we would express our gratitude for the kingdom our participation in it. So if I were to loan you one of my tools and and you were to use it for a week and then bring it back to me and wrap it up and put a bow on it, it would be kind of weird like you think you're giving me a gift. Well, you're just giving me back what I already loaned you. And that must be how God feels. And when we look through the scriptures, it seems to be the case. He owns everything. He owns absolutely everything. He's bought and paid for the whole planet, for the whole universe, for the stars, for the, for the air that you're breathing, for every blade of grass growing on the ground, every flower that blooms. Christ paid for it all. It belongs to him. He, he made it all, and then he bought it all back because we sold it to the devil, didn't we? I made this comment, the world is filled with whores, thieves, liars, and pirates. And they're all running around on property they don't own, breathing air that doesn't belong to them, and they just don't know it yet. And the very idea that there even exists a secular world is a popular myth. There is no secular world where we can draw a little line with our pencil and say, God, you can't come in here. (laughs) He comes where he wants. He does what he wants. He's sovereign above the earth. He's providential. He superintends. And he, he puts up with our free moral agency and our abuse of power, delegated power that he gave to us, the power to make decisions. He tolerates a bunch of garbage from people every minute of every hour of every day, doesn't he? And he's warned us that he's not always going to be willing to endure that. He's not always going to keep putting up with it. We have that as a promise, and it's a good promise for the repentant and a fearful, dreadful promise for the rebellious and the haughty. And so here we are in a screwed up world. God was so sovereign that he wasn't afraid to really, really, truly make a man and a woman in his image and after his likeness, which implies he made them sovereign over their dimension of authority and 
connected to that sovereignty that he gave them when he made them like himself, sovereign. He gave them sovereignty, and with sovereignty that you have, your personal sovereignty, comes, guess what? Personal responsibility for what you do with the power you were given. And that's the basis upon which all men are judged. What have you done with the sovereignty that your sovereign God gave you when he chose that you should be sovereign and responsible for your actions? You're listening to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Don't miss the conclusion of this sermon after these messages. Our country is no longer in need of a great awakening. America is in need desperately of a resurrection. And there's a difference between a resurrection and a great awakening. In far too many American churches, the Great Commission has been reduced. The emphasis is on really getting people ready to die. But the church is not here to get people prepared to die so much as we're here to equip people and how to truly live. I've written a new book that talks about this. It's called A Storm, A Message, A Bottle. You can get a copy of the book at beyondthewallsradio.com. God bless you. Welcome back to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. No scientist in the world has ever developed any magnifying glass, microscope, lens. They have never found life. They can't tell you what color it is. They don't have a diagram. This is, this is the element. Plants are alive. People are alive. Animals are alive. This is the substance. It's, it's a green goo. And they have nothing. The closer they look, they find things that are alive. Little tiny, tiny things swirling about doing things. But they've never found any substance. They can't find it. They don't know what color it is. They don't know what it's shaped like. All they know is they see the evidence that life exists, but life is invisible and they can't find it. And you and I know why. Because life is completely, utterly spiritual. The reason you are a sentient being sitting in the chair listening to me speak this morning. You got up, you brushed your teeth, I hope. You combed your hair. You have all these passions and dreams between your ears. Yeah, it's, it's a physical brain. It's a mind and you're thinking. And you have control of it, we hope. Instead of it having control of you, we hope you have control of it. You're an organic, biological creature, but behind all of it is something called life, and no one has ever found it, and no one has ever seen it. And I know why. I know why, because life is not a substance. You can't draw a picture of it. It's not round with a little jagged edge on one side, because life is not a thing. It's not a substance. It's a person. It's God. Life is a person. And everything is alive because he said so. And you're alive because he breathed. And whatever it is about him, when he exhaled carbon monoxide, something came out of his divine lungs. It says he breathed life. Life came out of the lungs of God. You're never going to find it unless you stand in front of him and hear his voice. And you'll hear the sound of life coming out of his lungs. 
So, you're a biological creature, and the doctors are finding all kinds of ways to try to fix different problems that you run into because we're in a screwed-up world. But behind all of that, there's something that makes you alive. And it was when God exhaled one day. So powerful was his exhaling that it not only made Adam and Eve alive, but it brought with it, the Bible describes it as grace. The grace, a husband and a wife inherit together the grace of life. Grace came out of the lungs of God, the Creator. He breathed, and grace went into the body of clay in Adam, and he became a living soul. And whatever that substance is, that godness, the Elohim, the very essence of what God is, was so strong that it can be passed on when a man and a woman have intimacy that that breath clear back in the Garden of Eden carries on and a husband and a wife are inheriting the grace of life together that breath finds its way through the body of the man and the woman and it makes a once born human being we found out that the Bible also tells us very explicitly you can't be twice born born again without the grace of God. You can't be born once without his grace, but it also requires his grace to be born a second time, be born into the kingdom. So we continue talking about grace, and how do we, how do we release grace? Well, a husband and a wife know how that works, and so the Bible goes on to teach us that there is an intimacy between you and God, a relationship that you do have, and it must be intimate. If you are distant, cold, if you need to return to your first love, if you're in any way separated because you haven't sought him first, there are people that they seek God like 50 or 51 on their list. It's really obvious. The people I'm more concerned about are not the people that have put God priority number 51. You want to know who I'm most concerned about? The people that are the hardest to help? Listen carefully because I could be describing you the people I'm really concerned about, it's people that are 51 steps away from God. He's like last thing on their agenda. I'm not worried about them because they kind of know it. You know what I'm saying? They, they know. They, they're not right with God. They know that. I, I can help them. Here's the people that scare me more than anybody. God is number two. When God is number two in your life, you can feel pretty good about where you're at. You can think you're doing really pretty good and you don't need any help. You can remain almost permanently blind to the danger that you face. The guy that has God in place number 51 on his priority list and the guy that has God as position number two, they both get the same thing. They can't enter the kingdom. The only way to enter into the kingdom of God is when he is first position. The guys that have God in second position attend church faithfully, read their Bibles, pray, have moral families. They, they, they give. They, they do what they're supposed to do. They, you know, they do all the basic things. They, they pray. They think about God. They sing songs. They do all this stuff. But he's still second. See, those are the people that scare me the most. You're the hardest to help. And the only person that can deal with it is really the Holy Spirit. He's the only one that can show you that he's not in first position. You're listening to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Don't miss the conclusion of this sermon after these messages. 
Hello everyone, it's Pastor Kerry. You know, I remember a pivotal moment in American history and I sat and I watched this drama unfold in Florida concerning Terry Schiavo, who was this woman, she had gone on an extreme diet to lose weight and had lost consciousness. And the next thing you know, a few years later, they're literally euthanizing her in a nursing home. I was horrified when I watched that happen and it set me into a journey to discover and answer some questions that are very important, especially in the field of the political world. Should Christians, for example, simply submit to the possible consequences of decisions or should they make decisions exclusively based upon the Word of God? Now that sounds simple to ask that question and people flippantly answer it but you'll find that the answer is very clear in the Bible, and it's also very troubling to modern Christians. Very few Christians truly live out the correct answer to that question. Well, I've put together a cartoon series. It's a whiteboard project where I teach you through some steps of logic and then had an artist in the church draw out the illustrations of what I'm trying to convey. It's really a remarkable thing, and it's free. All you have to do is go to the website to enjoy it, and I'll take you down the road of the journey I went on long ago answering that important question. Should Christians make decisions in life based exclusively on what God's Word says, or should they bow down to the threat of consequences? Because you realize sometimes when you make right decisions, there are very painful consequences. And here's where you need to go. I'll give you the website twice. Stepstopoliticalepiphany.com That's Stepstopoliticalepiphany.com Please enjoy the presentation. It could really change your life. Thank you for listening and God bless. To Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Check out our website at beyondthewallsradio.com. Thank you for tuning in. And so we've talked about what do we do with this grace, this, this incredible grace, like blood flows through the human body, so grace flows through, circulates amongst the organs and members, the fingers, the toes, the arms and legs of the body of Christ. Grace flowing sideways repairs you. It does two things primarily. It brings nourishment to you. It strengthens you as the heartbeat of God pumps. And then it points out the dirt and the contamination and it flushes it out of your system. And it's an ongoing process that happens every, every Lord's Day. It's a continual thing. It's a continual cleansing just like in your body uh, how, how long you want to go without your heart beating just think about that you don't want to go without your heart beating anybody ever had it happen to them so what do you do with the grace that God has for you what did Adam do wrong he received what he received the grace of life he was a once born out of the breath out of the lungs of God came life Adam was a living person and so he had that tree in the middle of his garden he was in orbit around the property, the kingdom, something that belonged to God that did not belong to him. And God told him, don't eat that. That's not yours. That's mine. Some things belong to God in the world. And this is the problem with the guy that's got the kingdom of Jesus in second position. You're in orbit around something different then. 
It's that simple. Only one thing, listen carefully, only one tree can be in the center of the Garden of Eden. Only one. It's either God's thing or it's yours. Planting a tree real close to the center is not the center. What are you in orbit around? Adam could not be born a second time. He would not. Eve would not be born a second time. They would not put God back in the center of their life, and they violated the principle of dominion, the dominion instinct, the desire to own property, to acquire stuff, to earn money and get things. They would not yield that to God. What God wanted was a partnership. He wanted Adam and Eve in a partnership with God to say, you're right, that belongs to you. And my whole life is in orbit around what belongs to you. I'm going to take dominion of the whole earth on your behalf. I'm going to fill the world, reproductive instinct. I'm going to fill the world with righteous people. Didn't happen. They would not allow the dominion instinct to be yielded to God. So what did they do? Did they lose the instinct? No. Did they lose the instinct to have sex and have children? Of course not. It was very much still there, and it still is with all of us. You desire to obtain property, just like I do, and maybe different kinds of things, but, but you want stuff, just like all of us do, and you're a sexual creature, and you, you, want, you have the urge to merge. It's normal. And so the instinct was still there, but not submitted to the authority and sovereignty of God. And that's the problem with all the humans on the earth right now, isn't it? You got people that go to church all the time, sing the songs, they even put their check in the basket when it goes by, and you know, the amount is fine, the amount is good, but it's, something's wrong. Because they're in orbit around something different than the kingdom. God won't play second fiddle. It's just not going to work. And I have the scary responsibility of making sure you know that, because I'm not going to be held responsible for anybody that lived in, with God in second position. They find it, they never even got in the kingdom. And he says, you know, I don't know you. Depart from me. You're a worker of lawlessness. I won't be responsible for that. No way. I am frightened enough to be responsible for myself. Okay? I'm not going to be responsible for you too. I've got to tell you the truth. No shuck and jive. You know, you, feel, you hear a lot of sweet, nice things about people that lost their puppies and still had hope at other churches, and they don't confront anything. I wouldn't want to be that guy. I know ju judgment's coming. I wouldn't want to be that preacher at the judgment seat because he didn't tell people the truth. That's not how I work. So you can, you know, people can punish me. They can stay away by the tens of thousands and say, I don't want to hear you preaching. I don't want to go to your church. I don't like you. But they can say, okay, fine, that's fine, because I'm not going to go to hell because of you. I'm going to do my job. And at some point, you have that responsibility with your own family, with your own children, with your own loved ones, with your husbands, with your wives. You're going to have to be willing to deal with stuff. Right? Because there's people in your life you're responsible for, too. So it's not just me, the pastor... I have to be careful, make sure that I do my job. No, you have a job to do. You're friends. You better hope they never look at you at the judgment right after they're sent to hell and look at you and say, I worked with, I clerked with you at a store for three years. I didn't even know you were a Christian, much less have you tell me what I had to do to get to heaven. Wouldn't that be horrible? 
Their blood will be on your hands. So all of us are in this together. We have a responsibility to our fellow man. We're to love our neighbor as ourselves. Moses described it this way. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, and thou shalt not suffer him to continue in sin, but shall rebuke thy neighbor. Why? Because you love him. Moses said, if you love your neighbor, you don't let them just stay in sin, trapped. You, you say, hey, that's wrong. I stand nothing to gain by telling you this except to tell you that it's wrong, and you've got to get free of this. I care about you. See, this is, what, this is how love works. We live in a world of false love, false agape love. Love them through it. What that means, don't confront anything. That's not love. I call it the satanic agape. So grace is in your life to do that. It removes impurities. It shows you things you don't think. Priorities are wrong. Things that you don't think right. And it says, you know, get it out. Come on. Flush it out. So two things happen in church. Wrong things get pinpointed in you by the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the Word. God locates areas in all of our hearts that are impure, thoughts that are wrong, and He lovingly, carefully deals with it. We get convicted. We repent. Oh, God, help me. I know that's, I know he's talking about me. Help me, Lord, help me. I don't want to be this way. And God says, okay, I'll help you. Let's do it. Let's work. Stop doing this. And then the other thing is when that's happening, you're actually getting strength. In the, in the middle of the exact same process, strength is coming into you. The grace to defeat sin. The power to say no. The power to change the channel. The power to hit delete. Listen to me. You have the grace to avoid the landmines. A map that shows you where they're at in the aisle so that you walk around them instead of jumping on top of them. That's grace. That's a pretty good illustration. If we found out today that terrorists had buried landmines all over the parking lot, and they were disarmed when you got here, but now they're armed, and you have to try to get to your car door and drive out without driving over any of them. And if there were, let's just say there's three, there's three landmines out there, and you know about it. Here's what grace is. Grace is God showing up with a map of the parking lot where all your cars are parked and saying, don't step here, here, or here. And then, further, grace would have the, the bomb squad come out and dig them up, dismantle them, and remove them for your safety. That's what grace is really doing in your life. He's showing you the landmines and giving you the wisdom to avoid them. Once-born people view the garden a certain way. But when you're twice-born, a born-again, renewed creature in Christ, the world, your Garden of Eden has something specific in the center and you're in orbit around it. It's the center of your universe and it is God and it is his kingdom. And so grace, all through the scripture, expresses itself and flows through human beings connected directly to the acquisition of property and how they use their money. You can talk about how great grace is, how amazing it is. Grace that saves your soul changes how you use both of these primal instincts created by God. One, getting stuff. Two, making babies.
This has been Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. God himself blew on his tree so that there would be a light. Check out our website at beyondthewallsradio.com. Extra Ecclesium Nulla Salus. There is no salvation outside of the church. Thank you for tuning in. 